Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Welcome to Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives with Bill Neenhouse, President of Child Care Worldwide, a child sponsorship ministry transforming children's lives by exposing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's join Bill now as he opens us up with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us since before the world began. God, we thank you for giving us your holy word. And through this word, we can learn more about you and apply that knowledge to our life. Lord, please be with us now and open our hearts as we go to your word today. We pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Hi, I'm Bill Neenhouse. I'm the president of Child Care Worldwide. We are a child sponsorship ministry in Bellingham, Washington. Our ministry is dedicated to serving kids with the gospel of Jesus Christ. These kids live all throughout the globe, in places far and wide, and we're committed to helping them as they transform into amazing adults. Welcome to Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives. I pray that this time today will be a blessing to you. Sin and God's mercy is our subject for today. Sin is something we don't often talk about, but the world is filled with it. We don't like it. We don't want it. But yet again, we continue to sin. Unlike Jesus, we are not perfect. We sin and we will continue to sin until the day we die. There's just no way around it. We know there is not one person alive today who can completely follow God's commands to be holy. We'd be lying if we said that and thought someone could completely follow God's law. It's just not possible. Romans 3 verse 10 says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. When we read this, it sounds a little depressing, doesn't it? Let's dig into the verse and discover what it means. Paul's making a point here that all people are not righteous, honorable, or upright, not one individual, and that on our own we can't do anything to control our salvation. It's only through the sacrifice and redeeming death of Christ that our salvation is even possible. In Romans 3 verse 10, Paul is actually referring to Psalm 14 verse 1. The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable things. There is none who does good. The Old Testament here clearly states the situation of our humanity. As we read, the fool says there is no God. Yet the fool and everyone else is completely subject to God. It's easy to imagine an atheist sinning and being separated from God. The tough thing is to know that the sin of the atheist and your sin is no different in God's eyes. There is no one who does good. Think of your neighbor for a moment, the one who seems to never have a bad word to say. She's always helping, always has a bright smile on her face for anyone who walks past her door. She delivers Christmas gifts during the holidays, and she's always there to provide a good word. Well, you know what? She's a sinner just like you are. She's a sinner like I am and just like the fool in Psalm 14.1. You see, it is in our nature to rebel against God and man because of our sin. If we say we don't sin, we're lying and we're calling God a liar. We're sinners, but God has mercy on us. And with his help, we do not have to live in constant sin or be a slave to sin. Isn't that great news? 
With the help of God, we can resist temptation and not live under a constant, continual, dark umbrella of sin. Sin doesn't have to control us. We obviously see a lot of sin in the world today. Everyone seems to be doing whatever they want, according to their own judgment, without a care for anyone else in the world. It reminds me of the constant phrase that's woven throughout the book of Judges. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. This is where we are today. Nothing's really changed. Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and we're still doing the same thing. What's evil in the sight of the Lord. Have you ever thought about how humanity has become what it is today? Do you ever wonder how our sin got started? Well, let's go back to the beginning. Genesis 3 verse 6 says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. There it is. There we have Eve who was influenced by the serpent and ate from the forbidden tree, and in turn Adam ate as well. This is the beginning of sin. That's the scene. That's where it started. Adam and Eve had an entire garden at their fingertips. The garden God graciously put them into was absolutely perfect. That wasn't enough for Adam and Eve, though. They wanted to gain knowledge of good and evil, just like God. Genesis 2 verse 9 says, And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Adam and Eve had a glorious garden. Everything they wanted was provided to them by God, but they sinned anyway. In a perfect garden, they sinned. Why? If our life was perfect and we had everything we ever wanted, would we sin? What if we had the perfect job or the perfect house, the perfect car, the perfect family? Would we still be tempted to sin? Yes, we would sin because we were born into sin due to the actions of Adam and Eve. They wanted to be like God, and that is why we were born to sin. Don't we want to be like God today too? Think about how many times you try to control situations, or control people, or control the outcome of things. Here's a question some people ask. Did God then create sinful man? Did he create us with evil and sin in our heart? No, he didn't. God is a perfect God. He doesn't make mistakes. He made us perfect in his image. Genesis 1 verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In his making and ordering the world, God created us last. We were the final act of creation, and our creation is separate from the animals. We were made in the image of God. But God doesn't have a body, so the word image there refers to his attributes, like characteristics like love, holiness, truth, and wisdom. Of course, we're not perfect like God is, but nonetheless, we imperfectly share His attributes. We were made as a mirror image of God, and that's how He made us, and that was no mistake. Take a moment and think about how much God loves us that He actually created us in His very own image. What a great love our Father has for us. While we know we are sinners, we must cling to the truth that we were created in the image of God. Because God doesn't leave us in our sin and misery, He provides us a way out. We're sinners, we do stray. But as I said, God has provided a way to spend eternity with Him in heaven. He has not left us to eternal damnation as our sin deserves. No, instead, He's given us something that can never be taken away. Something that is truly an eternal gift. 
John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The gift that God has provided for us, Jesus, his Son, this is a demonstration of God's mercy. John 3, verse 16 is very familiar to everyone. Many people have heard it, and perhaps some have memorized it. Think about these words. For God so loved. The word love that's used here is the agape kind of love. This is the love that God has for his children. And this agape love is perfect, absolute, unconditional, and pure. God was motivated by his love for his children. He loves us so much that he exhibits mercy by offering salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. This verse communicates God's love for us, God's mercy, Jesus' sacrifice, and our salvation. This is not a rumor or a conjecture, because he gave his only son. This love is profound and deep. What then is our directive in this verse? God gave us his son, but what must we do? That's one of the reasons why I love this verse so much. It's so very clear, and it gets right to the point. There is no mystery or questions. We are to believe in Jesus, and if we do, then we'll have eternal life. We could end the discussion right here because the directive is unmistakable. Believe, and you will be saved. Let's finish this discussion by looking at the last verse. John 3 verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God clearly sent Jesus to earth so he could be born, live a sinless life, die a martyr's death, be resurrected, and reside in heaven with God. He did this so Jesus could bring salvation to us. God provided a way of salvation for us. Jesus made the sacrifice for that salvation. We need to believe in Jesus and the sacrifice he made for our sins. I'm thankful God loves us with this agape kind of love. Let's pray now. Father, thank you so much that you love us with the purest kind of love there is. Thank you for sending your son Jesus. What a mighty sacrifice he made. In spite of our sin, God, thank you for your mercy. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Listen to this wonderful story of transformation about a teenager named Jake and his youth group leader, Darren. Darren was putting away chairs and clearing up the hall after the youth group meeting. There were a lot of teenagers in attendance, which was very good to see because lately there weren't very many who were coming. Darren noticed that there were a lot of new faces and the regular attendees said they had invited their friends. It was good to hear that. It's nice to know the teens were comfortable inviting their friends to youth group. Darren had been teaching the group, and it had been a very good time of learning and fellowship. Little by little, Darren was getting to know all the teenagers and the friends they brought. It was a good mix of teens. Some were born and raised in the church, and others came from broken homes and didn't know who Jesus was. It gave an opportunity for each set of teens to learn from one another. One of the new members of the group approached Darren. His name was Jake. Though this was their first conversation, he wasn't bashful or reserved. He spoke to Darren as if they were old friends. He genuinely felt comfortable sharing details of his life. Jake had started attending the youth group because he had fathered a child with one of the girls in the group. Wow, 
Jake was just 16 years old, still in high school, and he was already a father. Darren was surprised, but not shocked. And Jake didn't seem bothered by the fact that he was now a father. In fact, it didn't seem to trouble him at all. From the first conversation onwards, Jake would often approach Darren after youth group. Although Darren wanted to develop their friendship, his conversation with Jake wasn't often about God's word. Darren decided that he needed to guide the conversation more in the direction of the gospel so he could help Jake understand who Jesus was and what he did for him. Darren invited Jake out for coffee, and they agreed to meet each other at the local shop. As Darren wondered how best to use the time, the Lord led him to the idea of taking Jake through the Bible from creation to the resurrection of Jesus. The next Monday after school, Darren picked him up and they drove to get coffee. They spent the next two hours in study. Darren started teaching him about how God had created the earth, everything in it, and finally on the last day he created Adam and Eve. This became their routine three times a week. Each time they met for coffee, they would continue their study from creation to the cross. Jake really started to grow in the Word. The more he heard, the more questions he had, and the more he wanted to know about God. He was starting to understand how much God loves us. And because he loves us so much, he sent his son Jesus to live a sinless life on earth and then die, taking our punishment for our sins. Throughout each Bible study, Jake was very attentive and always asked a lot of questions. He was like a blank slate, and Darren, through the word of God, was filling in the space. As the weeks went by, Jake didn't want the study to end. One day, Darren asked Jake, Do you believe? Jake, do you really and truly believe that God loves you so much that he actually sent his son Jesus to live a life that was completely free of sin and then die on the cross to pay for your sin? Do you believe that Jesus was resurrected after three days and then 30 days later taken up to heaven to be with God? Do you believe he's there now? Jake replied, everything we've read so far has led me to say yes, but please keep reading. For Darren, that wasn't a clear declaration of faith, so he paused to encapsulate what God and Jesus did for us, once more explaining the gospel message again. Darren explained the decision that was before Jake, to put his trust in Jesus for salvation or to reject the Bible's message. Jake said he believed the Bible to be true, and he affirmed that he believed in Jesus. So there it was. He was now a believer. Although Jake's life as a young new father will have immense challenges, he's looking forward to the day he can go through creation to the cross with his son, in the same way Darren did with him. Jake's already praying that the Lord will lead his son to learn the message of the gospel. Childcare Worldwide has been impacting the lives of children throughout the world for over 39 years. We've helped thousands of kids learn about the love of Jesus and watched as their lives were transformed beyond their wildest dreams. We even have Childcare Worldwide staff members today who were sponsored children themselves. Their stories are so impactful, and I'd like to share another one of them with you now. Esther is a staff member in our Uganda office. And her story of transformation is amazing. Esther? My name is Esther Namiro Boy. I'm 38 years old. I'm married to Alexander Oboy, and we have four children. 
in my family. I'm the firstborn and I have two sisters and one brother. My parents separated when I was very young and my mother went back to her village on the island at Bugoma village. I and my sister were left in the care of our grandmother. Life was not easy at all because getting basic needs for the family was hard since she could not afford anything because she did not have any income. The only thing we had in plenty was food because we had a very big piece of land where we could grow our own food. When I reached the school going age, I was taken to school. I was very excited like any other child beginning school. I later realized that I could not happily stay at school because my grandmother could not afford to pay my school fees and requirements. And this led to lead, led me to miss classes while other children regularly attend classes. When I reached grade form, I loved music, dance and drama and I was good in it. My head teacher loved me so much because I loved singing and allowed me stay at school and study as my grandmother looks for school fees. That is the time I got my first uniform which was given to me as a prize after becoming the best student in music, dance and drama. In 1992, child care worldwide staff came to our school for new recruitments. I was among the children that were registered. My photo was taken and we were told to wait until we get sponsors. My prayer was to get a sponsor before I complete my primary level because my mother had promised to take me back to my paternal relatives because she did not have money to take care of my high school education. I completed my primary level in 1994 and I passed well. I was very excited to join high school, but my excitement ended when my mother took me to my paternal auntie since I had not got a sponsor. In 1995, I was supposed to join high school, but did not happen since my aunt could not afford my high school education and two academic terms passed without going to school. In July 1995, child care worldwide staff came back to my former school and I was among the children who are sponsored. My mother received the good news and she came for me and this is the time my academics were restored. When she told me that I'm going back to school, I was very excited and I could not wait for the next morning to travel. When I came back, I was registered in high school and started school in the third term of the year. I wrote my first letter to my sponsor and I was given a school package which included beddings, shoes, uniform and school requirements. This was a moment I will never forget to own my own beddings, wear my first pair of school shoes. I remember at night I slept with my shoes 
fearing to wake up when I don't have them. From then, I never suffered with my education until I completed. The only task I had was to study and get good grades, which I did because I had no worry. During my high school, we were told the good news of Jesus Christ. I attended youth camps organized by child care worldwide, and every time I learned something new. In 2002, I gave my life to Christ. I decided to get born again. I knew God used child care and my sponsor to take care of my education, and the only gift I could give God was my life. From that day up to date, my life has never been the same. During my trade school, I loved to help child care worldwide staff with letter writing and that was the only way I could give back to child care. When I graduated, I was given an opportunity to volunteer with the organization and to me, it was a big opportunity because I knew it was the only way I could give back to God for what he has done for me. In 2004, I was fully employed in sponsorship department as a field worker. For the past 18 years, I have happily served. The way my life was transformed is the same way I have transformed the sponsored children by making sure they stay in school and also preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. In 2015, I was promoted to head the sponsorship department. I have managed to lead my team well and I have witnessed change in the lives of the sponsored children spiritually and physically. What I am today, it is because child care transformed my life and my life was totally changed. It has also helped me transform my entire family. By sponsoring me, they changed my entire world. I greatly appreciate my sponsor, Mr. and Mrs. Elma Schmidt and Child Care for educating me. I also named my son, Elma, Always remember my sponsor and the goodness of the Lord. May God continually bless them and child care worldwide. Isn't that an amazing story of transformation? From despair to hope, Esther received the gift of child sponsorship and it changed her life for the better. The gift of sponsorship has an amazing impact on the lives of children in need. I hope you can help by sponsoring a child. Who knows, they may even grow up to be like Esther filled every day with the love of Jesus. Child Care Worldwide transforms children's lives by exposing them to the gospel of Jesus Christ, providing for their physical needs, and sponsoring their education. So what makes us so different and so unique? We have an approach to long-term transformation. Sponsored children are members of a life center located at a local church. Children meet there weekly for gospel-driven lessons, scripture memorization, singing, and fellowship. Our Bible curriculum focuses on the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching kids about God and His eternal plan for them. We're committed to exposing children to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hire exclusively Christian individuals in every single project in which we operate. 
Our country directors and program staff are national professionals, allowing our programs to be more effective within the culture. All of our programs are run through a local church. Can you support childcare worldwide? We would love to bring you on as someone supporting the lives of kids in places we serve throughout the world. We would love to have you go to childcareworldwide.org to learn about the many projects and about child sponsorship, a one-to-one relationship between a sponsor and a child. If you become a sponsor, you will have immense joy in your life. These kids are great. They love their sponsors. We would love to see you take that opportunity today to help a kid in need. Childcareworldwide.org is the place where you can find out how to help us help kids. You've been listening to Delivering the Gospel, Transforming Lives with Bill Neenhaus, President of Childcare Worldwide. To learn more, go to childcareworldwide.org. Join us again next week here on 820 AM, The Word.